morning. My name is Neil. I'm the, I'm the pastor here. And today I want to talk about a devoted temple. A devoted temple to the Lord. What are you devoted to right now? What's something that you're devoted to? Is it a sports team? Are you devoted to a specific sports team? A lot of times as a sports player, this guy, you just follow him around from team to team to team to team. You're buying all these jerseys and uh, you're just devoted to a player sometimes. Maybe you're devoted to other things in life, sports, uh, career. You're devoted to your school. Maybe it's your credit union. You're devoted to this credit union. We will not leave. I don't care what they do to the hours. There's nobody that even works there, but we're devoted. We're going to be there. That's where we started. We live by a TBK, which has um, the different types of teams, different sports. And uh, it's one of the largest facilities that uh, travel ball and travel soccer and travel baseball, all that stuff, they all go there. And it was Valentine's Day at 7.30 at night. It was 38 degrees out, and it was raining. And that entire field was all these parents around their kids playing soccer. And I was like, that's devotion. If you want to know what devotion looks like, that's what is devotion. That's devotion in a nutshell. Devoted Johnny is going to be a pro someday. What are you devoted to? You can tell a lot about people and their devotion by bumper stickers, too. I saw a bumper sticker this week that said uh, an explicit word with, explicit word with a, uh, a president's name behind it. And, um, and then like a Jesus fish, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> My friend uh, Steve Reisner, we uh, were on our way to watch our favorite band back in the day, which is MXPX up in Wisconsin. And we were on the road on I-80, and he had a Honda Civic, and the entire, I'm talking like from the rear windows all the way around the car was bumper stickers of all this stuff. And so we're on I-80, and he has a CB radio in his car. And one of the, one of the truckers goes, yeah, check out a CR, um, Honda Civic with all the bumper stickers, you know. And so I jump on there like, oh, cool. I get to talk. Hey, yeah, 10 four, good buddy. And that's us. And he says, what's it all mean? And I said, I don't know, Steve, like, what's it all mean? He goes, Jesus loves you. So, yeah, uh, breaker, breaker, Jesus loves you. What's it all mean? Like, what's all the bumper stickers? What, why are you so devoted to a hundred bumper stickers on one car? They'll let people know Jesus, Jesus loves them. What are you devoted to today? We have so many things in life that are trying to pull our attention and our devotion in so many directions. This guy is very devoted to creating the world's largest onion. That's the world's largest onion, and he's the one that put in all the work. Isn't he fun? I just look at him. That's the world's largest onion. That's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of work to be that devoted to creating that. What are you devoted to? World's largest carrot. Today we're going to talk about being devoted to God. Where's our devotion at with the Lord? We've been discovering the name of the Lord is Adonai. And what Adonai means is he's actually our Lord and our master. Like he is in charge. 
This is a name of God that means that he is in charge of our life. He's Adonai. So it's a name of the Lord. It's not about what he is. It's who he is. He is Adonai. And so we can be devoted to Adonai. God, you're in charge of my life. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you have called me to. What do you have for my life? I, I want to follow your path. I want to follow your ways. Solomon is somebody that, well, he was a king. He was King David's son. And Solomon was called to create the very first temple of God where the presence of God would rest. Actually, the Lord put it on David's heart while David was in his palace. King David was in his palace. And he looked outside and he saw a tent. And it had the Ark of the Covenant in it. And it broke his heart. How in the world can I sit in a palace when God's presence rests in a tent? And so David says, I'm going to build the Lord a place for his presence to be. I'm going to devote my life to it. And God says, no, David, not you. I'm actually calling your son to do that. And so Solomon is called by God to devote seven years of his life to creating this beautiful place for God's presence to rest. David had set aside timber, gold, silver, bronze. He had set aside all these supplies so that Solomon could build this beautiful temple to the Lord. And so the, the temple is finally built. He builds the temple. It took seven years of his life to build this temple. And the temple is 90 foot by 30 feet. So it's 90 foot long and 30 feet wide. And so we discovered last week that it's about the same size of this room. And this is God's temple. And after it's built, Solomon gives this amazing prayer found in 2 Chronicles 6.1. It says, Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and he blessed them. So Solomon builds this beautiful temple and then he says, the Lord said that if I build this temple, that he's going to rest in the temple as a dark cloud. And when I think of a dark cloud, I think of Moses. And when he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, the presence of God actually rested in clouds and went in front of them and it went behind them. And the Lord rested on those people. When they were out in the middle of the desert for 40 years, the Lord spoke to them in clouds. And so Solomon has built a temple so that the presence of God, this cloud of the Lord that would um, define his glory, would rest in the temple. This building would be filled with the presence of God. And then the rest of the chapter of Second Chronicles 6, Solomon gives this prayer. It's one of the most beautiful prayers. I invite you to read it this week or have your phone read it to you. Second Chronicles 6. The entire chapter is Solomon's prayer of what he was hoping God would do with this temple that he devoted his entire life to. His prayer was this, when people would come to worship God, that God would see them worship. It's a good prayer, right? Lord, you would see us. And when people would come and bring their requests to the Lord, the Lord would hear the requests. When people would war against the Israelites that because the temple of the Lord rests in the city, that they would lose those wars against the Israelites, that the Israelites would win war. 
when people would sin against God, that God would forgive them because the temple was in the city. Even to a point where Solomon's prayer was, if, if people that were Israelites would reach their hands towards the temple, that God would hear their prayers because their hands were pointing towards the temple. Solomon's prayer also was, even if foreigners, so people that weren't Israelites, would come to the temple to discover who God was, that God would hear their prayers, even though they weren't Israelites. The temple was for everyone, from afar, close. The temple was for, for everyone. And he devoted seven years of his life to build this temple. Solomon's prayer was, was just a prayer like yours and, yours and mine. You know when you pray things and you just kind of put words out there and you're hoping for something to happen? Has anyone else ever been there before? You pray this stuff and you hope that God's listening. You trust that the Lord's kind of hearing you. And so Solomon says these prayers, these, these beautiful words of what he's hoping the temple will be like. And we find ourselves there a lot of times of, God, you called me to this. I'm devoting my life to this. And I, and I hope it turns out like how you expected. I can remember when we started City Church uh, seven years ago. We started in, in the Redstone Room, which is right down the street. And uh, we, we started on Tuesday night at 6.15 at night. And we ran a Tuesday night service for three years and then discovered that downtown and slash Davenport doesn't really want a Tuesday night service. So anyways, we, we started on Tuesday nights and it was, it was an amazing time. And it was the very first night and I felt like God had called us. He called my wife, he called myself, he called my kids, he called us to be a part of this, what he was doing. And so we were setting up and tearing down at the Redstone Room. Things were not going as planned at all. And I remember going, the very first night, going to the men's room and heading back to the last stall of the men's bathroom and getting on my knees, and the floor was dirty in the men's stall, saying prayers like Solomon. God, whatever you call me to, like whatever you want to do, things are not going as planned. <laughs> Would your presence be with us, though? We're doing this for you, God. Well, we want to be a part of what you're doing. So, God, would you speak through me to people that, you know, hopefully it makes a difference. Just sitting there in that stall. Wondering, why did you call me to this, God? What? What are you doing? It's seven years of his life, and just thinking about that, it's been seven years that this church has existed. It's just seven years of devotion and, and trial and error and ups and downs. 
And sometimes we just find ourselves saying these prayers to the Lord. You just don't know if he hears them. Oh, am I supposed to say it in this direction, God? Because the temple's over there. Look at what happens with Solomon. Second Chronicles 7, 1 says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter. Would you say that with me? The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. Even people that were called by God to be priests, Levites, they couldn't even go in the temple because the temple of the Lord was so full of God, there was no room for anything else. When all the Israelites saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces on the ground. They worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good and His love endures forever. Verse 12 says, The Lord appeared to him at night and said, Listen to this, guys. Lord appears to Solomon at night and says, I've heard your prayers. I've heard your prayers, and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And when I shut the heavens and there's no rain or a command locusts to devour the land and send a plague among my people, if my people, if my people will humble themselves, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will in turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now my, eye, now, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So not only does God know and hear what's going on in our life, but he also sees what's going on. He's saying, if my people will humble themselves and pray and come before me, then I will actually hear and I will see and I will be in the middle of it. Solomon's prayers were answered. How cool is it that the Lord would wake him up in the middle of the night and go, I've heard you. Hey, I heard you. Has anybody ever had that experience? Maybe in a dream or something, hey, I heard you. I know what's going on. I've seen what's going on. I've seen the injustice going on in your life. I'm a part of the solution. I've heard you. I see what's going on. So I'd like to end with talking about this temple. Because you just, you just heard how amazing the temple was, right? The temple of the Lord was completely filled with God's presence. And when you reached your hands toward it, it would, God would answer your prayers. He would hear us. And we don't get stuck on buildings anymore. We don't, we don't get hung up on, oh, this place is God's temple and that place is not. We don't, we don't get hung up on that. And I, don't hear me wrong today and say, like, okay, we got to go and put a tent down on the river because, like, God doesn't need a place, you know, which is whatever. I've heard it all. 
But where does the presence of God rest today? Where's he at? Where's this temple at? The presence of God, his dwelling place, where is it? Is it to the east? Last service I was pointing this way. I don't know my directions very well. <laughs> Where's the presence of God rest? When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died on the cross for all of our sins, when he was on the cross, this is what happened. Matthew 27, 51, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. So where the presence of God was in the temple, where only certain people were allowed to go into the presence of God, Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, created a new way into the presence of God. And the curtain is actually split in two, which means the presence of God gets to flow out of the temple. So where does it go? Where does God's presence go? Where does it flow? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own because he is Adonai, and you surrender your life to Adonai, for you were bought with a price, so the glory of God in your body. So where is the presence of God? Where is the special temple? Where does God's presence reside? He resides inside of us. It's the presence of God leading and guiding us, inside us. We no longer look to a building for the presence of God. We actually have the presence of God inside of us. We gather together to worship and praise God and to be encouraged. And then we leave with the presence of God to take it everywhere that we go. That we are salt every single place that we go. We add seasoning. We add spice to our workplace because the presence of God resides inside of us. So where's God's presence? It's in people like you and me. He lives inside of us. We are the temple of God. This means that God hears your prayers. He knows. He knows what's going on in your life. He sees. He sees what's going on. My wife and I have been married for 21 years. We're celebrating 22 years on Cinco de Mayo, which is right around the corner. Yeah. So I've gotten to know her pretty well. But what would it be like if our relationship was kind of like this? Hey, baby. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Mm. Are you making spaghetti again today? I was hoping we could get tacos. Isn't it kind of weird to have this weird relationship? She's right here. She's right with me. I'm no longer separated from anything that I can't have a conversation with her. You know, couples therapy and counseling be like, you guys could probably work on your communication a little bit. And so when God split the temple curtain 
What he did is he actually created a place for us that we can be right next to him. We can be close to him. That he's with us. He's, he's living with us in life. He's not separated. There's no more walls and division. He loves us right where we're at. Right, boo-boo? Yeah. All right. The presence of God is with us. He hears our prayers. He tore the curtain. He resides inside of us. How's the temple doing? How's the temple doing today? How's the temple going? Good. How's God's temple? The place where he lives. The place where he resides. The place that he paid every single price that you could ever imagine to have that relationship with us. How are we doing? Amy does an amazing job of keeping her house really clean. She does. We got DJ Roomba going back and forth all day long. Amazing invention if you have hairy dogs. Just, you know, our house is really clean. She does a great job. My job is the garage and the outside. So don't go driving by my house judging me. <laughs> but I pulled in the garage the other day and I got out of the car and was like, this place stinks. It smells like wet dogs and garbage. And then I walk in the house and it's all clean. I go, this my responsibility is the garage and the garage is really dirty. Let's, I mean, honestly, it is. Like, I should do such a better job. And I was thinking about that with the temple this week, you know? Like, there's some areas of our life where we're like, God, I want you to fill up the temple. Fill me up completely and totally. And then we're like, okay, but I got these boxes over here. And these are some unforgiveness because I've had some people in my life that have really hurt me. And so, like, I got them, don't touch my boxes, God. Don't touch my boxes, amen? Let, let's just leave those alone. God, have your way with the temple. And then we have stinky garages that are like secret sins and, and you know, just some areas of our life that we're like, God, I don't want you to be a part of that at all. And what I read in the book was that when Solomon said, God, have your way, the entire temple was filled with the presence of the Lord. Completely and totally that nobody else could even enter it. And what I believe the Lord wants to do in people today, if we will humble ourselves and we will pray, is God wants to fill us up again. Maybe that's a brand new filling, but to the brim that, you know, the offenses that we somewhat just kind of take in slowly but surely, there's no room for them anymore because we're so filled with the presence of God. You know those areas of our life where we beat ourselves up because we didn't have compassion on so-and-so? It's because we have a lack of the presence of God in our life because in the presence of God, we are empowered to love people and love Him. And so if we were just filled with the presence of God again, all those things like those, those sins that just constantly are creeping up on us, if you're filled with the presence of God, you will have power to defeat the sins that are coming against you.
If you're trying to do it in your own strength, good luck. It's only through his presence. And so if his church would just be filled with the presence of God again, man, the world will be changed. It's what our city is looking for. It's what your neighbors are looking for. It's what your co-workers are looking for. It's what your friends are looking for. Jesus did everything he possibly could to say, be filled with my presence. It's totally up to us to say, you know what? Be filled. God, I want your presence to fill me up, even the stinky garages of my life. Even the areas of my life that, that just, I've just like totally turned you off in that area that you can't touch that, like every single crevice of our life. And that's what he wants to do today. Not tomorrow, today. Like, I mean, when I read this, all I think is like, I want to reflect Jesus so much that every single area of my life is filled with his presence. And if that's your desire today, even if you're wondering, what would that even be like? God will meet you in that. I don't even know what that's like. I know this, that you are approved. You are accepted. And you are loved by God. That That's what he wants to do in you. So let's just invite him. You read about it in Acts. You read about it in the Gospels. And these people, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they go out and do these amazing things just like Jesus. So I'm not talking about trying to work something up in your own strength to finally be good enough to do something. I'm talking about God just wants your life exactly where it's at right now. And he wants to fill you with his presence. You are accepted. You are loved right where you're at. This is his desire for people to carry on the temple of the presence of God. So let's just invite him. You want to do that with me? Seems like there's a lot of questions. Whether you want to do it or not, <laughs> what I want to do is I want to um, invite you to just invite the Lord. Just completely fill up your life with the presence of God. It's really simple. It's very easy. We can just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit right now. In God's presence, come Holy Spirit. Just rest on us, Lord. In every area of our life, Lord, would you just come in power and just rest on your people? Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, the worship team is just going to come up and just lead us in a song. I just invite you, even right now, that um, it's every single aspect of, of our life. It's, it's, um, it's a complete and total surrender to Christ. I just see the Lord just getting out a, uh, 
a U-Haul moving van and just like, let's take those boxes out. Let's get that stuff out of here. Every aspect of our life, he wants to fill up our lives with his presence. Did you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You were bought with a price. All the construction and all the, all the um, resources that went into building a temple that Solomon built were, were like magnified by hundreds of times so that God could actually build that temple in your heart right now. You hold the presence of God. Come Holy Spirit. Just invite you to just tell them, just come Holy Spirit. Every area. Every area. Come Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. Just bless compassion in this room over every single one of us. I just want to bless understanding, your Holy Spirit understanding, the power of understanding over marriages in this room. That there just be a new new wave of understanding over marriages. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you just stand up with me? Let's just close with singing this song together.